I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're also here with Henry, who's not just our sound man, but my stepson, who's also studying naval architecture. Henry, do you have any questions? Uh, not currently. <laughs> That's the wrong answer. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. This is Wicked Problems. I'm Richard Delavan. And now for something completely different. Oh, we'd be all right if the wind was in our sails. So we'd be all I remember the Americans coming at all. All these skeptics when we said we're going to do flying boats. Oh no, you can never race it. And now it's almost mainstream. It's the same, right? There's always going to be skeptics. There's always going to be challenges. But the numbers don't lie. And you can look at the fuel consumption mm-hmm. with and without a wing. You can put the wing up and down and we can see the vessel going several knots quicker. Why do you think it captured people's imagination? Yeah, there's obviously lots of green technology out there. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it you can't see. All of a sudden you've got this big billboard mm-hmm. of what technology and what the shipping industry is doing. From ancient sailboats to modern containerized cargo, shipping has always been vital for global trade, currently accounting for 90% of it and 3% of global emissions, about the equivalent of Germany. The sector is undergoing a transformation driven by the need to decarbonize. The International Maritime Organization aims to cut shipping emissions by half by 2050, and regions like the European Union and the UK are integrating maritime shipping into their emissions trading schemes, sparking new innovations. Among various alternatives to diesel engines, such as hydrogen or ethanol or e-fuels or, God help us, ammonia, one British company, BAR Technologies, stands out. They've made waves with the Pixis Ocean, a 9,000-ton vessel that this autumn made under new propulsion its maiden voyage from Singapore to Brazil and then on to Poland. The ship features wind wings technology, resembling aircraft wings more than traditional sails, but potentially reducing fuel use by a third. BAR Technologies spun out of Ben Ainsley Racing and aims to decarbonize maritime shipping. Windwings technology is not just a technical marvel, but a symbol of a potential resurgence of sail. The story captured the imagination of global media this summer from CNN to BBC and many beyond, but you could have first read about it in our newsletter back in March. Earlier this month, I set out early in the morning with my stepson Henry, who did yeoman's work as a sound man on this episode, to Portsmouth, where we met with company CTO Simon Schofield 
to discuss whether BAR technologies really could usher in a new age of sale. Here's our conversation. Simon Schofield from BAR Technologies. Simon, thanks for joining us. Uh, good, good morning. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to work with this team? Yeah, so my, my background is as a, originally as a naval architect, and I spent much of my early career, about 20 years of it, in the design of um, Grand Prix uh, yachts, mm. the America's Cup especially, some offshore work as well, but spent a lot of time designing America's Cup boats. Uh, and then I was head of design and engineering for Belenci Racing, right. which was a race team at the time. Uh, and at the end of the America's Cup cycle in Bermuda, we took uh, some of the uh, engineering talent and know-how and a lot of the tool sets we developed in the America's Cup and, uh, and spun off BAR Technologies, uh, which is the technology company that I'll right. now leave from a technical point of view. Right. And so, just for the benefit of the audience, the connection between Ben Ainsley Racing and BAR Technologies, the, the acronym, it's not a coincidence. No, not at all. Okay. We were... We're very similar to a Formula One team, often have applied technology businesses, right. and that's where we started. We've, we've gone in different directions now, but that's the, okay. kind of the heritage of the company. And so tell us a little bit about the, that change in direction, because I think that, so you, you've been working with this this team for since what year? 2016-17. Uh, right. And what's the evolution been like? Because I think it, listeners might be familiar with seeing you guys in the news earlier this year. Um, with a project called Wind Wings. We'll come back to that in a moment. But maybe take me through a little bit of the evolution of the company. So you going from working for the America's Cup to working on something that we see on CNN as being a big cargo ship and obviously lots of other different projects like the electric uh, battery-powered boat with the round-the-island course that you did around the Isle of Wight. So maybe just take us a little, through a little bit of the evolution. Yeah, I mean, uh, the America's Cup, uh, from a technical point of view, is very driven by by simulation mm-hmm. and being able to simulate the performance of the vessels very, very well. So you're limited to the amount of time you're spending on the water and you don't really have the opportunity to do any two vessel testing. So the America's Cup is all about developing very high-fidelity simulation tools so in a virtual environment you can um, test and optimise whatever bit of technology you are right. Uh, you are trying to develop and when we formed BAR Technologies it was that same philosophy that 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 simulation driven innovation so we are focused on being able to simulate uh, the results of things very very well Mm. and then um, and use those results to then optimise the um, the product that we're trying to develop. And we were talking a little bit before about the kind of composition of the staff, a lot of naval architects, backgrounds like yourself, and given the simulations you're talking about, I mean, I'm guessing a lot of software people, a lot of coders, like what other sorts of talent do you have? Yeah, so we've, we've quite uh, a widespread of engineering talent that mm-hmm. covers multiple bases. So as you say, of course, we've got a, a background of naval architecture in the office because we're doing a form of naval architecture, but even the naval architects are working in a different way to maybe a traditional naval architecture. Right. Um, but then we've got a team of um, what we call the performance and simulation team that's made up of um, kind of simulation engineers, so CFD engineers, for example, hydro aerodynamicists, but then importantly, uh, software engineers, uh, mathematicians. We hire a lot of pure mathematicians mm. and specialists in artificial intelligence and mm. neural networks and development. Then we've got a team of control engineers. Right. which have kind of drawn from the motorsport industry, that are writing control code and safety aspects of the vessels. Uh, and then uh, mechanical engineering, structural engineering, all the disciplines you'd expect to have to right. take 
inventions and turn them into something that's safe and reliable and buildable. And right. And what I mean, when you when you made the the, the spin out, I mean, what were some of the first kind of customers that you would have worked with? When you say you're designing a product, what was the first set of products? Uh, so our first products we were involved in were uh, products around foiling okay. um, and, and foil assisted vessels. So we did a lot of work with Princess Yachts early on. Uh, we did some work with Baltic Yachts. So the higher performance um, right. foil assisted vessels. So for the listeners who are not super familiar, if you could just briefly explain foil assisted. So um, especially in the smaller market, mm-hmm. um, when we talk about foil assisted, we're not trying to lift the boat out of the water and fly entirely like a, a fully foiling boat we right. also develop. Right. But you're, you are supporting a percentage of the displacement. Mm-hmm. So 30, 50% of the weight of the boat is supported on a hydrofoil. Right. And the aim of that is, is twofold. It's to reduce fuel consumption and emissions, right. but also by having active foils which are responding to the motions of the vessel, you can get a more comfortable, more dynamic ride. It's a bit like active suspension on your car. Right. You mentioned emissions. Um, so has that been part of the journey from the beginning? Has that been a concern of, of customers and as part of the product development? Yeah. The aim of business is, right. to, is to decarbonize the maritime sector. But for me and for us as a business... Efficiency and decarbonisation go, go hand in hand. Right. If you can be more efficient and you need less energy to achieve whatever you're trying to achieve, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where that energy is coming from, right. you're naturally uh, reducing emissions. So you're either reducing emissions because you're burning less of a, a, green, uh, a non-green fuel mm-hmm. or you're enabling the use of a green fuel which is maybe more expensive, less energy dense. Okay, that's interesting. And so the, your first set of products again was kind of enhancing an existing product set. Yeah, so we're uh, kind of up to COVID. We were working on, on various vessels. We were doing vessels again, foil assisted for the um, for the offshore wind industry that mm-hmm. take the technicians out. Something called the Bartek Thirty, mm-hmm. um, and then we were doing a lot of simulation work and developing simulation tools specifically for understanding green technology on ships. Right now, the shipping industry's got this big challenge that it needs to decarbonise by twenty fifty, mm-hmm. uh, and there's lots of technologies out there. Some are good, some are bad. Some will work well in harmony to e- with each other and some will, will not coexist. Right. So we had clients wanting to understand that landscape. Okay. Uh, so we took our, our simulation tools from the America's Cup and we redeveloped them specifically for, for shipping, mm-hmm. a tool we call ShipSeat, that allows us to look at the, the way different devices will work on a ship and that's kind of where wind technology was born out of. Right. Because, of course, that is one of the devices we are, we're analysing and looking at. I want to come to that in a second, but I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about, first of all, just ask about COVID and the experience. So obviously a lot of places try to continue, a lot of places have shut down through the furlough scheme. How did you guys come through it? Uh, we were lucky. We were relatively busy. Mm-hmm. We were very busy. Uh, we were a, a smaller team than we were now, which I think meant, made the working from home thing easier. Right. Uh, we're very much an office-based business, we think. Engineering is a contact sport. Like we need to be around a desk, pointing, scribbling on whiteboards to get that the high rate of development. But through COVID, we were developing, we were developing wind wings, we were developing our tools, all our products. We didn't really slow down. In fact, if anything, we accelerated through COVID. So right. for us, it was an inconvenience, but didn't really change our trajectory. Our trajectory. Okay. You mentioned already wind wings, and I, I can just say, put my hand up and say we were following you. Before you became famous this summer for uh, your maiden voyage, but tell us the story of Wind Wings from the beginning. So I spoke about uh, ship seat and, and that's all we're developing. And, and Cargill, who are a big supporter of the project from mm-hmm. the start, came to us and said, 
you obviously understand how to simulate devices. Can you have a look at all these technologies and mm. give us your view? Right. And we gave them an honest appraisal of the technologies and they came back and said, well, you seem to understand this. You're used to designing things. What's your view? What would you do? Mm. Uh, and with that tool, we were lucky that we could kind of turn it on its head. And before we even started looking at what wings would look like, we were looking at what the performance profile of the most efficient device to maximise the fuel saving around the world would be. Right. And with that knowledge in mind, they then said, well, have a go. So, so then we started developing wings, and that's where right. it came from. The idea of this age of sail, right? So we had Churchill moving the Royal Navy from you know that to coal to oil and right before the First World War. And that's where we've been since, right, in the maritime industry generally. And then this idea that somehow sail-assisted cargo ships could somehow make a, make a comeback. So Cargill was the ones who asked you to look at this thing in the first place? Or yes. Interesting. Okay. Tell us a little bit about how that the project iterations went and then leading us up to where we got to this summer. Yeah, just to touch on that, yeah. that, that thing we've done a fuel full circle. Yeah. I mean, obviously... The wind energy is a, a, a free fuel yeah. delivered at source. We don't need to bunker it. Right. As long as it's windy, it's there. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there are obviously good routes and bad routes, just like there was traditional trade routes. They still that still holds true now. Right. Um, but the technology is obviously very different to the technology of the past. The devices are much more efficient. They're fully automated. They don't require um, crew input. There's no pulling of ropes, mm. as you, I'm sure you expect. We took on with that knowledge of of what we needed to, we started looking at a very high level of mm-hmm. what, what the most uh, geometrical shape for these devices would be. Right. And we landed at, at this three element solid wing mm-hmm. that we've got. Um, and if you imagine uh, a wing on a ship, like an aeroplane wing, but turned vertically. Right. You know, an aeroplane li- wing is lift, producing lift upwards to keep the plane to fly. Right. We're just producing lift forwards to propel the ship. Mm-hmm. Now, if you think of a wing uh, when it's in level flight, uh, it's kind of a, a single element wing, mm-hmm. and it's very, very efficient. It's got a very high lift-drag ratio. Right. So it's trying to fly and minimise the amount of fuel it's trying to burn. Yeah. But if you look out the window of a plane when it's coming to land, mm. um, you get ailerons with flaps deployed. It becomes a, a multi-element slotted wing. Right. And it's doing that so it can produce more lift, so right. it can fly slower and, and come into land. Yeah. And that's what we need to do on a ship a lot of the time. We don't worry about the fact that the wing is slightly less efficient in terms mm. of lift to drag. We're looking for, for pure grunt and pure power. Hence, we've got this three-element wing, which allows us to have a very highly cambered shape, and these slots, which allows us to maximise the lift coefficient right. and maximise maximize the power we're producing. Of course, we can still deploy back to a single element or close to a single element wing when the wing conditions determine that's what we need and that's an automated process so it's this fusion of you know all wing design from aircraft going back 100 years plus you know but also thinking about the tactics that allowed sailing ships you know all through that period as well but prior to that the only way you get around on the ocean um to be able to be deployed for this so what kind of efficiencies can you get like so if i you know again if cargo is trying to or another customer is looking at saying okay we we're using X tons of fuel per journey from, I think the maiden was from Singapore to Brazil. What percentage would you save using the wind wind technology? What was the goal and what did you achieve on the maiden voyage? Yeah, so it's it's a slightly complex yeah. answer, as, as I'm sure you'd understand, because it depends on sure. uh, speed, size of the ship, and all sorts of things. So generally, what we say is, if you're looking at the lifetime of a, a ship, which is tramping around the world and doing 
all the good routes mm-hmm. and all the bad routes mm-hmm. through its life. Right. Each wing is going to save you about a tonne and a half of fuel a day. Mm-hmm. And to put that into context on a on a cancer map, which is what the pixels ocean is, mm-hmm. if you see fitted three of those, yeah. you'd be saving about thirty percent of your fuel. Right. That's on average around the world. Right. Obviously you don't traditionally use wind power chips where the wind is bad and you focus on, on the more uh, the routes that are more favourable. Exactly. Right. So for way of example, in, in twenty five knots, which is a medium strength wind, we, we operate in up to forty knots of wind. Mm-hmm. So in twenty five knots of wind on the side, we're saving six plus tons of fuel per wing per day. Right. You could free sail on some of these vessels and actually in sea trials on the Pixels Ocean we did free sail. We we were sitting there in the harbour, engine was off, we pulled the anchor up and we sailed wow. off in at kind of six, seven knots around around the harbour. Just to show that we could do it. And, and how do people react when they see these wings on a ship on a cargo ship? Yeah, I mean I think the scale of them is something that What, even, is, what is the scale? Even us developing them, you yeah. know, when you saw them in reality the, the scale is huge. How, what is the scale? How big are they? So they are Aerodynamically, they're 37 and a half meters high. Wow. But once they're on the deck, you're maybe 45 meters above the deck. So that's 60 meters, 70 meters from the waterline. That's a lot. And the thing is 20 meters wide as well. Right. So they're very, very big structures. Wow. Um, so they dwarf any, any sail you see in the sail. And so I'm interrupting you because yeah. basically, so yeah, here I am in my dinghy. I'm trying to move around and I'm trying to not get hit with the boom. And so I see this thing coming towards me. What are people saying? <laughs> Um, I generally the feedback has all been really, really positive. Everyone yeah. can see it's a the future. Yeah. It's a decarbonisation tool, so it's been really, really positive. Even more importantly for us, the, the, the feedback from the crew and the people operating has been really, really positive as well. So okay. we, we have meetings with the captain of the ship every twice a week, right. and he's as, as excited as anyone else. He's like, "What else can I do? How, else, how else can I save fuel? How am I doing?" So. It's getting the crew to buy into this decarbonisation piece as well and wanting to use it more efficiently and wanting to maximise their fuel saving figure. You mentioned you've got people who've come from an auto racing background working for F1 teams. Well, obviously, there's a huge amount of money ball data analysis that goes into absolutely every single race to do that. And you guys are applying a similar methodology, it seems, of how to absolutely maximise the efficiency in each journey, except as opposed to going around a track, you're going across the Pacific. Yeah, so there is, um, as part of the package, there's a, there's a routing tool. Yep. So it's looking at the, the weather forecast, the currents. Uh, and as a ship, traditionally, we'll pretty much go straight A to B, maybe deviate around some, some really bad weather. Mm-hmm. But we're not doing that. We're taking quite convoluted routes to make make best use of the wind. So we might go very quickly for some days with using more engine to get into a favourable weather pat- pattern, for example. So then we can throttle right. right back and we can we can sail more. So that whole route optimization is a big part of the, the right. feed input into the ship and obviously taking all the data off the ship. Right. And analysing it and keeping the push improving is a big part of what we do as well. So in the same way that if you're running a power grid, right, um, and you've got solar and wind turbines that are feeding that grid, and you've got to have a pretty good idea about what the weather's going to be to balance load and power to make sure you've got a consistent kind of across a large geography. Um, In the same way that people stopped having to think about, to a certain extent, conditions other than big storms, um, when they're plotting these routes across oceans to be able to carry cargo, 
in some ways there's a, there's a parallel, isn't there, to be able to kind of think about things that we used to think about all the time for most of the thousands of years of human history. We stopped thinking about it for 100 years, and now we're thinking about it again, but we have better tools. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, uh, you know, the, the routing of these ships is generally done onshore by the, the, the fleet management team, mm -hmm. and they've got routing tools already they're using. Uh, so what we're doing is replacing the algorithms behind those tools. Right. So in terms of the, the guy deciding where the ship's going and sending it to the to the captain, mm -hmm. kind of his, his workflow doesn't really change. Right. It's just the maths in the background Got it. is different. Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And so, again, you've had this maiden voyage. You've had a huge amount of press, CNN and BBC. And what was that like for the team to get this you know, international acclaim? Yeah, I think we knew it was going to be big, but I think it took us all by surprise, just the, the uptake and the... And why do you think it captured people's imagination? I think it's... There's obviously lots of green technology out there, mm -hmm. but a lot of it you can't see. Yes. All of a sudden you've got this big billboard mm -hmm. of what technology and what the shipping industry is doing to try and fix the problem that, in reality, we all create. Mm -hmm. Shipping emits 3% yep. of the global CO2 emissions. Mm. If it was a country, it'd be a fifth or sixth biggest emitter in the world. Right. And those emissions are because, as consumers... 95% of what we consume arrives on a ship. Yep. If it wasn't for us, there'd be no ships, of course. <laughs> um, so it's, we know, we're all closer to the industry than, than we might like. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, becoming, it's coming to the forefront of people's minds. Right. So to have this big thing that people can see that, that really shows that the industry is making an effort, I think, just captured imagination. Right. Well, the, I mean, that's... It's terrific. What's next for it? I mean, so where does it go from here? It's all about scaling up now for us. So the Pixis Ocean is is an operation. It's actually just left Gdansk. So it left it left um, Brazil where it was laid, laden and it comes to Gdansk in mm -hmm. Poland, fully mm -hmm. laden. Right. And there it did its first unload. So its first discharge of cargo. Right. Which kind of closed the loop on the operations. Okay. Right. And that's an important part of the yep. wings because you've got to coexist around the ports right. and infrastructure. So we closed that loop. Um, and how do you do that? Because obviously, if you're going through certain ports, you're going to go under bridges, you're going to be dealing with causeways, you're going to be dealing with structures that a 45-meter-high thing um, is, you know, a lot of port infrastructure isn't built for. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? So we have to fold them flat onto the deck. Right. So these are, you know, these 45-meter, 200-ton structures, we have to fold down wow. onto the deck, and then we have different configurations to allow them to store in in different ways for canal operations, for example, or right. tugging or load and discharge. So mm. it's been a big uh, part of the development is how you integrate into the, the rest of the, the ship. Amazing. And so what's, what was the scariest moment? I mean, obviously, you've been on a huge journey here. You got through COVID, right? This project, even if you didn't know exactly how big it was going to become, everyone obviously was pretty excited about it. You could kind of see the potential. You could see just people kind of get it. When you saw the trials you were doing, you saw the reactions, people's eyes bugging out, going, oh, this is amazing. So were there any moments where you're like, oh, man, we have to, we have to push through this problem? Give me an example of a problem you have to push through. Yeah, I mean, oh, I think that is part of this, this whole journey. Of course. Of this, lots of problems, right? It's about yeah. knocking doors down and, and keeping going. Um, I mean, probably one of the biggest challenges, if you like, and it's inherent in any big industrial industry is the is the statutory requirements and the rules and regulations. Right. And of course they are immature because this is new technology. So we had to work very closely alongside the 
classification bodies um, to develop a good understanding of what they what the intent of their rule was, right. and to educate them as well. This is what we might, this is what your intent might be, but the reality is, we think this is going to happen, and how do we meet in the middle? So there was a lot of good collaborative work there, but that was probably the biggest headache we had for 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 a long time, mm. and of course. Like all these projects, it's you have to kind of progress at risk to a certain extent. If we try and fix every single problem in order, we won't have wins on the on the water mm. for years and years and years. So we've got to say, right, we're going to start building, then we're going to back our engineering. Right. Um, even though we haven't ticked all the boxes of class yet, we're confident that we will. Um, and obviously, that's a big, a big scary uh, judgment call to make. Right. Um, and and, then, and I suppose then, I mean, this is not your area, but I guess you get into a business model issue when you're into, you've now done a successful maiden voyage, huge international attention, unloaded in Gdansk. You've closed this loop of one successful laden journey. Um, scaling, obviously, is a, from prototype, is a very vastly different proposition. So, how, I mean, what kind of, kind of technology learning curve do you anticipate in terms of being able to get this to scale where you, you were seeing a lot more of this? Yeah, so I mean to be clear, we didn't we didn't build prototypes, and that's probably a little bit of our background as well. In the America's Cup, mm-hmm. we don't we build one boat. My bad. No, 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 not at all. It's kind of a logical assumption that you're going to build a prototype, but we didn't. We actually built the ones on the Pixar Ocean, mm-hmm. so it's two on the Pixar Ocean. There's now four fitted to a, a Newcastle Max belonging to a company with Burger Bulk. Right. So that's operating from China to Brazil on a on a regular, regular route. Regular okay. Route. Right. Um, and obviously we've got a good idea of the return on investment, the fuel, sa- fuel savings, and we've got a lot of people wanting these wings now, both on new builds and retrofits. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so myself and John and some of my other colleagues are spending a lot of time in China where the wings are built, mm. upscaling production. So we're not building tens, we can build hundreds of these things. Right. So that's, that's where it's going now, it's about accelerating. And of course there'll be learnings along the way, mm-hmm. there's been learnings already. And they are twofold. There's learnings around how we increase performance mm-hmm. um, and make it easier for the crew to use them, but obviously also manufacturing them and cost down learning as well. So right. it's kind of a, a dual route. How do we save more fuel and how do we make it cheaper in the long run? Great. And, and you're seeing a lot of interest from other, other parties trying to see how they can get this retrofitted in and you know yeah, other new yeah, builds. I mean, yeah. Hundreds. The industry's woken up and I think the industry's <clears> realised that wind technology, ours and others, <clears> are going <throat> to be part of the big decarbonisation, which is not going to solve the problem, <clears> but it's one of the levers that we have to pull right. and it's probably one of the levers that's the biggest influence, especially on the, on the correct routes. And, and I mean, there have been some sceptics. This is just for PR, it's just for the, it's just, it's good optics, but, you know, what, what do you say to someone who's cynical about this? Yeah, I mean, I think you get cynics in everything, right? Yeah. I remember the American's cup and they said, oh, all these skeptics when we said we're going to do flying boats. Oh no, you can never race a, a foiling boat. <laughs> and now it's almost mainstream. Right. And it, it's the same, right? There's always going to be skeptics. There's always going to be challenges. Um, but the numbers don't lie. You know, you can look at the fuel consumption mm-hmm. with and without a wing. We can put the wing up and down and we can see the vessel going several knots quicker. Mm. Yes, it's got some logistical challenges. Yes, it means if you're to maximise the savings from the wings, you may be having to rethink some of your operational model slightly maybe you're focusing on certain ships on certain routes mm-hmm. you've got to engage with the ports and get those on board but you know if we were if we believed all the skeptics we'd still be sailing sailing vessels of the past we wouldn't have gone through coal and oil and, and back to where we are so brilliant um 
Right. I definitely want to hit you up for this tour. Before I do that, we're also here with Henry, who's not just our sound man, but my stepson, um, who's also studying naval architecture. Henry, do you have any questions? Uh, not currently. <laughs> That's the wrong answer. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. So I think I mentioned how we've got different, different teams, different departments. The guy who started life as naval architects. But then there's a lot of mechanical engineers and structural engineers. Hassan's working at the moment on the on an installation for a ship, so an integration. So remember when we designed the wings, mm-hmm. we've got the whole integration change of how you actually bolt the deck and right. integrate the structure and reinforce the deck and everything else. Mm-hmm. This is a plinth the wings would attach to mm-hmm. on a deck. Uh, and this is where the rams would attach. So this is looking at the ways the forces are transmitted into the into the global ship structure. And right. Working with the ship to look at what the reinforcements are and mm-hmm. all the all the maths, all the optimization, and develop all the software that run the wings. So Tom, Tom writes a lot of our routing software. You know, we're saying we don't take the, the, the straightest route. I guess this is the fixation, is it? Uh, <laughs> Leaving yeah. Gdansk. <laughs> so you can see this is one of the routes that it may take. Right. Um, leaving Gdansk, and as you can see, it doesn't go in a straight line. It's, it's it's trying to find the best route through the weather, variable speed. Looks like it's going to be windy. <laughs> I was looking at the, the waves here. This, this 14 metre waves. Woof. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, the 17th. November, bastard. Oh, we're we missed it. it. <laughs> oh, so the shipping forecast to make big comeback. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of good high resolution forecast data now that of course. we use, and we're kind of agnostic to which forecast we use. Yeah. What's the material? This is alloy. So this is just a frame on the back. So we've been looking at different. Different layouts. Okay. So one of the challenges you are um, loading iron ore onto these ships. Yeah. It's being dropped. So there is a risk that there's a collision with the wing. Right. So we've been dropping <laughs> big balls. You're holding. You're holding a steel ball there. Exactly. Right. Which is obviously similar to a kilo or so. Yeah, it's a similar size to a lump of iron ore. And then we've been looking at the the effect of the the impact on, on damage and. And looking at different laminates, how we make it more resistant. Each of the wings is like 200 tons. Yes, is that right? Optimizing weight is obviously a big deal. So you're using different different components, different materials, different chemistry to be able to kind of get the yeah. weight down. So the main, but also the, but also the tensile strength. Yeah. So the main structure is fast steel, mm-hmm. but then the aerodynamic shapes were built from from composite. Right. And this is very similar technology to to a wind turbine, and built in a very similar way but obviously wind turbines have minimal impact at bird strikes and things but it's relatively very minimal. few iron ore pieces yeah exactly wind turbine. Right. so we've got to look at, at changing that technology and, right. and using you know incorporating different layers to to reduce the uh, the, the effect so you can see we've got a, an intermittent layer in the composite layout which is there to absorb okay and it's absorb. like a hexagon shape yeah and so that's that's helping to improve the strength like in exactly a, like in a mobile phone case yeah right. and it's we don't mind a little bit of damage. Mm. That's not going to, to really harm us. Right. But what we don't want to do is that damage to, to grow, right. especially grow undetected, right. because then you get into fatigue problems and lifing problems. Right. So. Like, a, like a crack in the windscreen of a car. Exactly. Yeah. Henry, do you have any questions? So do your guys upstairs, uh, or do you have technicians to do uh, Yeah, do we've got some, some boat building technicians that, yeah. that, that build these panels for us. Uh, and build all our test rigs, and they also build, like the foiler was built here. Mm. Well. Oh, right, okay. And they build an artist as well. So this is a model of the wings for a, for a show. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So this is 
don't know what scale model of the week, but we'll do the scale of the week. You know, I was talking about the flaps. You can mm -hmm. see the, the leading and trailing edge flaps. You've got the main element, and then you've got the two flaps, which change to produce those cambered shapes. Big thanks to Simon Schofield and the whole team at BAR Technologies for taking the time and showing us around. In the show notes, you can find a video of Simon showing us that scale model. And my thanks to Henry, who was a little further along on the learning curve as a boat builder and naval architect, and as a sound man, but hopefully you've got the flavor of things. Thanks for listening. Tell us what you think. Leave us a comment at news.wickedproblems.uk, where you can find more episodes with myself and co-host Claire Brady, and where you can also sign up for our newsletter. Next week, we'll be back with conversations about climate tech for adaptation and whether climate change and comedy go together. I didn't have Nish Kumar and Dr. Freddie Otto on my bingo card as a viral video duo, but if 2023 has taught us anything, it's to expect the unexpected. In the meantime, maybe share this episode with people looking for fair winds and following seas. Take care. <laughs>